Hi everyone, Drew here. I just wanted to give you guys a little disclaimer before going into this episode. Our recording service lost the high quality audio files for Mistborn Secret History. We were fortunately able to recover some raw backup files, but the sound quality on this, despite anything I could do uh, in editing, is just not as good as normal. I hope it's not too big a problem for everybody, but this should be a one-off thing, and going forward, we'll be back to the expected level of quality. Thanks for understanding. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Inking Out Loud podcast. I am your host, Drew McCaffrey, and joining me once again is my wife, Lauren. Hope you guys aren't sick of me yet. <laughs> uh, we are covering for, man, what what episode is this? I really should have uh, looked at this before starting. Uh, episode 192, we are covering Mistborn's Secret History. Uh, but before we jump into the summary of that, a quick reminder that we're on Patreon. Support for the show there helps keep the lights on and gives you access to all kinds of fun bonus content, such as exclusive episodes, original fiction, and much more. But now, a quick summary. This book mostly takes place during the events of Mistborn Era 1, The Final Empire, The Well of Ascension, and Hero of Ages, but it gives us a perspective on some of the things happening in the background. It begins with Kelsier getting killed by the Lord Ruler. Uh and then deciding he's not going to die afterward. He meets preservation in the cognitive realm and figures out that he can go use the power in the Well of Ascension to anchor himself and prevent himself from going into the beyond. But in the process, he traps himself in the well, and he has to spend a bunch of time there. Uh, He gets to know Ruin a little bit. He meets Hoyd and gets beaten up by him. And then... Uh, tries to prevent Vin from letting Ruin free, but fails. Once Ruin is freed, that also frees Kelsier, and he talks more with Preservation, gets some directions from Preservation, uh, and that sends him out to meet with Chris and Nas. Chris explains to Kelsier uh, some of the background of the Cosmere, very fun scene, but they decide you know they're not going to help, it's too dangerous, so they pack up and head off. Nas gives Kelsier his knife, which may or may not be a special knife. Uh, and Kelsier then, at Nas's behest, heads off into the in-between space of uh, the Cognitive Realm. And there, in between planets, finds a fortress filled with Elantrians called the Irie. And they are planning on using a device of some kind to... Uh, have one of them ascend to preservation when Laris dies. Kelsier tracks them as they go off into uh, into the Scadrian subastral, plays some tricks on them, scares them off, and uses their device in turn to ascend when Laris dies. He helps out Spook during the events of the Hero of Ages. He tries to help Vin, but Ruin blocks him. 
And ultimately, we get the ending of the Hero of Ages. Kelsier lets the power go to Vin. She dies. Sazed ascends and becomes Harmony. And in the aftermath, Kelsier meets with Vin and Ellen before they go to the beyond. And he uh, has a little conversation with Spook about hemology. Uh, yeah, so this is the the original Brandon Sanderson secret project. Uh, before we go into writing style, just a little bit of background, you know, for in case people you know aren't aware or weren't around during the release, uh, when Brandon was working on Miss Born Era two originally, he had some trouble writing Shadows of Self, the second book. I mentioned this briefly. Actually, I don't know if I mentioned this on our Shaz of Self episode. But yeah, he was having trouble writing it. And so he just went ahead and wrote The Bands of Mourning first. <laughs> and then went back and wrote Shadows of Self. And Tor made the big announcement. They're like, surprise, not just one, but two new Mistborn books. And uh, Shadows of Self came out in early October. I think it was like October 5th or 6th in 2015. And then Bands of Morning came along very quickly in January of 2016. So people were already like, wow, you know, this is incredible. We're getting so much Brandon Sanderson, so much Cosmere. And then we got to the end of the Bands of Morning, and there's a fun little author's note where he says, you know, surprise, Kelsey is alive. Uh, if you want to find out how and why, we released a novella today, Mistborn Secret History. You can find it on ebook right now. And so it was this just, just, just craziness, you know. So in retrospect, it shouldn't surprise us that he wrote multiple secret novels during COVID and released them the way he did. But this is the first one. This is the, in a lot of ways, the, the most Cosmere aware book that we've gotten. Yes. Um, you know, we're delving into the, like, the meta story with the shards. We have Chris on screen just straight up explaining Adenalsium and and elements of the Cosmere. Uh, it, it's, it's a really, really crazy book. But I want to talk about what that means for the story. And I want to get your opinion and, and kind of see if, if you think he succeeded in doing what, what he did here, because there are really two stories going on. Um, there's the story of Kelsier, right? You know, it's how he survived. And then there's the story of let's pull away the curtain and reveal what's behind the scenes here. And for me, I think he's a lot more successful at the second one than the first one. Like, partially because this is retreading a lot of story from Mistborn Era 1. But I just didn't find myself, especially on reread, all that engaged with Kelsier's personal journey in this book. Well, I think, you know, he says it at the end of the book that he was worried about writing this um, because it's so tricky 
with Kelsier, first of all, like sometimes you take away consequences of the books. Yep. Because, you know, now we know that there weren't <laughs> like many of the things that we thought were going to happen if they failed were not not necessarily there. There were some fail safes ready. Well, so it's interesting. The idea of him bringing characters back to life with Kelsier in particular. The fandom, if if you were engaged in the fandom and were seeking out answers to the Cosmere, well before this book came out, we knew that Kelsier survived in one manner or another. Uh, in the annotations for Miss Born Era 1 that you can find on Brandon's website, in Hero of Ages, he talks about how Kelsier's still around. And he did a, uh, there was this, uh, Suvudu would do these annual cage matches where they would do, you know, it, essentially it was a popularity vote um, where they'd have a bracket of fantasy characters from uh, all sorts of different series. And it was supposed to be, you know, who would win in a fight, who would win in a cage match. Uh, but it usually just came down to, you know, which character is more popular. Uh, but they would get to a point deep in the cage match bracket where they would start asking the authors of these characters originally to, you know, write what they think would happen. And there was one year that Kelsier was in it and he was up against Moiraine oh. from the Wheel of Time. And they asked Brandon Sanderson to write how he thought a fight between them would go. Mm. And in that thing, in that cage match fight that he wrote, uh, they were both Maureen and Kelsier were joking about the idea of being thought dead and not actually dying. And, and Kelsier straight up says, he's, you know, Maureen's like, you died. And he's like, oh, I got better. And he like, so there was, it, it was sort of an open secret that Kelsier was still around, but we didn't know the extent to which, he was still around. We didn't know how involved he was in the events behind the scenes. We knew he talked to Spook in Hero of Ages because, you know, Spook hears Kelsier's voice after he pulls out the spike and, and it's no longer Ruin speaking to him. But... I mean, I just assumed that that was... Oh, yeah, you're right. It does happen after the spike comes mm -hmm. out. Yeah, so like, hmm. it, it's this weird tightrope that Brandon was walking with the idea of keeping this as a surprise, keeping this as a secret, while also revealing, you know, the fact that this story could exist through his annotations and extra textual writings. And, um, but I, I think in terms of that surprise, it still landed. I, I know when I finished reading the end of Bands of Mourning, and that revelation, you know, about Kelsier was there. It was like, like that really took me by surprise. And then I devoured Mistborn's secret history that night and, and it landed for me. It was that excitement of the Cosmere though, that really pulled me through it. And, and so yeah, like there, there are multiple layers to the story. I feel like I'm not being very articulate about this tonight. Um, there are multiple layers to the story, and I just think that he succeeded more at the the secret part of secret history 
than he did the character, the character arc. Like, okay, that's, see, that's what I thought you were getting at, where yeah. you don't feel like Kelsier had real movement. Right. Like, it, and it's not to say that he didn't change his character because he did. He did. Like, you know, this sets him up, you know, to become the character we see in the Spawn Era 2. Uh, you know, we know this book ends with Spook looking into hemolurgy to help Kelsier get a body back. Um, and it's like, I can't really say that's different for like Kelsier's morality, but he's always been a problematic person. You know, he, he's a cold-blooded murderer when it comes to the nobility. The guy obviously doesn't have qualms about hurting other people to get what he wants. And, but at the same time, I think the real change to this is how he is driven to discover more about the Cosmere, to discover those those secrets, you know. But it, that's just not as compelling, like, a character arc, you know. I don't think he's had, well, I, I think it's pretty clear that he really hasn't had a complete character arc, period. Sure. You know, and yeah. th maybe yeah. that's why we all felt like, and Brandon felt like his story was not yet finished. And we're still not yet finished here. No, definitely not. But so but there that's a double-edged sword. You can say, like, oh, this character's arc isn't complete, and that's valid, but at the same time, this is a discrete standalone story. And there should be ideally a completed miniature character arc of some kind. And, and, and I think it's there. I, I think that arc exists in secret history. It's just not a very like gripping one for me, at least. Do you think specifically with how it ends for him, where he, you know, still is not quite confronted what Vin says at the end where Vin's like, it's how much is about you? No, it, it, that's not my issue with it. It's just being in Kelsier's head over the course of the story wasn't exciting to me. Like Because he was... What was exciting about this story was learning more about the Cosmere, seeing the Irie, seeing the Skadrian subastral, meeting Chris and Nas in the cognitive realm, you know, getting tantalizing hints dropped by uh, Laris and Atti, you know, Vax and Senna and... Like, those were the things that what really gripped okay. me in this book, not Kelsier being around. Still. What about the behind the scenes of Era 1? I mean, did that grip you at all? Mm. Or you were like, I already knew that he was here and there. and Like, there, when I think back to the first time I read it, I don't have memories of being like, oh, wow, I never knew that about this story, the behind the scenes of this story. That wasn't my reaction. My reaction, all my strong reactions to this book were around Cosmere secrets. Um, well, then the book ends pretty early for you. Well, the exciting part. Yeah. Well, I know there's still some stuff right at the end when Atsy dies. Uh, but, but, yeah, like, it just, especially on rereads, I'm like, 
Eh. Ah, we're already sort of getting into character here, but this is this is a strange book, so it's tough to to really just break up the the structure of the conversation. Um, Kelsier as a character in this book just wasn't super interesting to me. I mean, he was very much himself. Yeah. Uh, he did grow a little bit, but not much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I will say that's fair. Like, he's not what excites me. Like, I would say Black Tongue Thief. I would read dozens of books just about that character because he's the he is who he is and he's compelling. Yeah, and it's interesting because I I know for sure in the the Brandon Sanderson fandom, Kelsier is a wildly popular character. There's a reason that in that Savudu cage match thing he got I well, he's, I'm pretty sure that was the championship of it. I don't remember who won, but like his actions are dynamic, always. He's he's a charismatic person, so I understand why people like enjoy reading about him. Um, but I see it more but, as like his power is what's interesting. His ability to um, pull a con, to like trick, is more fun than he himself is broken down. See, I think he has the potential to be very compelling to be an interesting character. I think he's a more interesting character in the final empire than he is here. I think he's got a, a more compelling internal struggle, you know, where he's dealing with the, like wrestling with the idea of being a martyr for this cause. He's wrestling with the morality of how he deals with the nobility and, you know, like Vin is sort of poking holes in his justifications for murdering them. Like he, he has a, a way more interesting struggle in the final empire than I think he does here. And I also think part of the, the issue is that Kelsier is at his most interesting when he has somebody else to play off of. And he doesn't really have that in this book. He has conversations with preservation, but preservation is, so fractured and and not lucid yeah like that it's tough to have a real back and forth there probably the most interesting scenes character wise for me are when he's engaging with hoyt okay so so yeah like it's I, I and I'm being critical right now about my reading experience i'm not saying this is necessarily like a flaw in the book um, I do think it is a an essential aspect of the book because it's a weird type of story that Brandon set out to write. Um, you don't you don't get a whole lot of stories shaped like this. You know that it's a sort of companion book to another story, but at the same time also laying the groundwork for a bigger meta story and like. There, there's a lot going on in a small space, and in my opinion, by its very nature, one half of that is just way more interesting than the other half. Because you already know the first story that this is a companion to, but you don't know the Cosmere story that you're getting more details from. Okay, do you feel like maybe part of it is that there aren't big consequences for him? 
like he can't die. He's pretty well anchored. He's not like constantly. No, I, don't, I don't think it's the the stakes. I mean, there are definitely stakes. Like he could die again. He nearly does after Ruin attacks him. Yeah, but it's unlikely. And and if he does die, he's like, oh, I get to go to the comforting beyond with Mare. You know, it's not like if I die now, the Lord Ruler will destroy. No, I, I think it's more that I already know the stakes aren't really like I already know the way it ends, right? Like I already know yeah, that okay, he okay. is going to eventually help stop Ruin. Um that's a big part of why the Kelsier character arc is less interesting than look at all of these tantalizing hints and secrets about the history of the Cosmere. Um, yeah. <laughs> Should we get into characters? I mean, we've talked a lot yeah, about, we've Kelsier, talked about Kelsier. But... I, I don't have a whole lot else to say about other characters, but if you do, yeah. I guess we barely get to know Laris, but fuzz. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely see a different side of Hoyd in this than we've seen with him previously. Which is fun. Uh, yeah, like, it, it's this is one thing that Brandon is doing that I think he's really succeeding at. Before this book, as readers, we are predisposed to like both Kelsier and Hoyt. Right. And here we're setting up, you know, these two characters that we like do not get along. <laughs> and he did a great job of making that. They instantly hate each other. Yeah, like, and and <laughs> you, you find yourself like, whose side should I be on? Like, like Kelsier was obnoxious to Hoyd, he but was. Hoyd was also cruel to Kelsier. Uh, no, not that mean. Mm, what do you mean? I would argue. Okay. Hoyd, Hoyd definitely took pleasure in being able to hurt. Kelsier. Well, he didn't know he was going to be able to until yeah, but, it happened. But when it did, he kept going and he was like, ooh, you know. Like, there was I'm not going to say it was sadistic, but there was a definite hint of, like, I'm enjoying this. Uh, and, and so it complicates these two characters in a really fascinating way. Well, kind of like <laughs> I don't feel that bad because he kind of deserved it. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, he's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to rip you. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, so it's not just a clear cut, oh, we were wrong about Kelsier, he's a bad guy, or oh, we were wrong about Hoyd, he's, you know, awful. It's like, no, they're, they both have flaws, and their particular flaws mean they do not get along. Pride. In a violent manner. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, who else do we have? I mean, we have a little time with Addie, too, which is, you mean Addie is ruined, but, yeah. and like five seconds with Addie is not ruined, which, yeah. okay, that that's a question I have. How quickly do they split from the intent of the shard? You know, is their soul permanently a little affected by it? Or 
did he just return to himself and clarity? I would I would guess that because it's their mind being separated out that it's a pretty quick return to who they were. Um, it's obviously not f like immediate because Addie is confused when he shows up. Um, yeah. I mean, they've been attached for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I, I do find it fascinating. I mean, this is something we need to talk about more when we talk full Cosmere spoilers in a few minutes here. Because um, Addie only says one thing, and it's a Cosmere thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, do you want to talk about Chris or Nas at all? Again, Cosmere things. Okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> are are the Irie also okay? No, I'll 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 talk Nas a little bit. I can talk about his character without going into Cosmere stuff. Uh, he I was surprised at how kind of off balance Nas was. <laughs> like he's supposed to be you know like the Cosmere James Bond. And he spends, like, the whole first half of that scene just totally baffled that Kelsier could possibly be alive. And he's just like, what is going on? And then and then at in the second half of that scene, he shows maybe surprising sympathy. Like, he returns, he gives Kelsier a knife that he apparently really, really liked and, you know, gives him, you know, Gives him some help, points him in the right direction with the Irie. Uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like the Nas that every other source, the picture of Nas that every other source in the Cosmere paints is very different from the Nas we see here. Like, we see him being, like, kind of sarcastic and grumpy in his... Uh, annotations on the maps in other books. <laughs> um, you know, we see him very action-oriented in the Bands of Mourning broadsheet. We see him, again, kind of like action-oriented when he shows up on screen briefly in Stormlight Archive. Like, he's very determined and, like, knows what he wants. And then here, he's he's just really off balance. Well, I think he's not used to people being on that plane where he's like, I have the advantage because I know about the realms and having somebody show up. Oh, I, I don't get that impression. I mean, there's a whole cognitive realm society that yeah, he's part of. Yeah, but they, they, it's not a surprise the people that we're watching or interacting with who, do, who have no idea all of a sudden showing up on, on our realm that we're inhabiting regularly i mean like yeah clearly he's surprised that kelsier is there i'm just surprised that he's surprised like he's seen cognitive shadows before he knows it's possible like yeah but he also said something about he's like you're not doing it the right way there's ritual to this well, there's yeah there's so a that's, proper step that's another thing that i i don't know how much like that makes sense because nas is aware that there are many different kinds of cognitive shadows there are different ways to become a cognitive shadow like 
returned our cognitive shadows in Warbreaker, uh, the Heralds are cognitive shadows in the Stormlight Archive, the Shades on Threnody are cognitive shadows. And like I think pretty clearly he's saying like there's a specific ritual in terms of the Threnody type. Um, but, but yeah, there are clearly many different ways to become cognitive shadows, and that's why I'm like, why did he have this reaction? He just seems offended. But, but, and then, and then, yeah, like, despite being this, like, grumpy James Bond guy, he, he shows some, like, surprising sympathy for Kelsier at the end of the scene. And I, I like that. It, it's just, uh, it, again, it deepens his character. It gives us a lot more information about the type of person Nas is than we've been able to get through the various tidbits in other books. Okay, what do you think about Chris here? She says, I can't help you. I can barely take care of myself. I'm an exile. <laughs> like, um, We'll talk more about the exile thing in Cosmere stuff. Sure. Um, I feel like this is very much Chris in her element. This is like the Chris that I love. She's not confident. Uh, what do you mean? She's confident in her knowledge, but she's not a superhero. She's yeah, never been yeah, a superhero. Yeah, yeah. She's okay. not going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go save this world. Um, but she, Of course, she it's frustrating that she doesn't help because you want her to stick around. But pulling it out to, like, a, looking at it from a narrative level, Brandon can't have Chris be part of this. Right, like, but, but I feel like <laughs> I expected her to have knowledge of where he should go next and what he should do. And she doesn't. And she's not confident. In in like telling him, uh, I don't know. I don't think I feel the same way. Like she's not. How would she know how to defeat a shard if you're not a shard? Like in her experience, the only way shards have been killed or stopped or hindered in any way is by other shards. So that's why she's like, yeah, no, there's nothing you can do. We're just here to observe what's essentially an unstoppable natural phenomenon. Um, yeah, but I, I really like her, like how, uh, where Nas is like surprised and, and off balance and perturbed by Kelsier's presence. Chris just like is totally calm and collected and, and, observing the scene and then quickly takes control and explains the Cosmere to Kelsier and she's, yeah, like I, I, a couple of those little mannerisms, like when Kelsier, she tells Kelsier, like, you know, Ruin is watching us and, and she's, the way it's described is that she takes a sip of her, whatever, her tea or whatever, and she just points up. <laughs> and after she takes it, she's like, he's watching us right now. Like, just that that very, like, regal, confident manner that she has, uh, like... What, that it could end now? That everything could be over and there's nothing I can do about it? Like, because that's how I would feel in that position. No, well, she's not in any danger of, like, everything ending. She's she's getting out of there. Yeah, but she's Ruben's not watching, he could... That. You don't know if he has somebody... She's. I doubt she'd be worried about Ruin going after her. She's nothing to Ruin. Okay, like why would fair. Why would he have any reason to... Because she, she's explicitly not trying to stop him. She has knowledge that could do something, but he's too Does confident. Does Ruin know that? 
no, not necessarily, I guess. But he's he's too cocky in what what he thinks he knows. Yeah, no, what I'm talking about with Chris is just how she is in her element to team. Kelsier wants something, he wants information, and she has information he doesn't. And she's like, let me explain to you. <laughs> you have no idea what you're getting into. And like <laughs> Professor Chris comes out a little bit. So uh but if we if we don't have any more characters to talk about, I think we do need to move into Cosmere. I have a side um, note. Okay. Okay, so in the audio, they say Naj. Naj instead yeah. of Nas. Yeah. Hmm. I mean it's Z H, so I guess I could see that. But yeah, so his, so his real name is Nazriloff, N-A-Z-R-I-L-O-F. So I don't, I don't know. I don't. Know. It was weird. So I did a combination of reading and listening. Sometimes mm-hmm. I find that if I speed it up, the audio, I can get over sub vocalizing when I read and slowing myself down. Right. So I try to speed up my reading. Visually, and I can go faster than the audio ever can. I don't know if that could help anybody else trying to work on it, but subvocalizing is you just, you kind of automatically slow down to the pace that you would read out loud, and you make the motions in your throat, right. even if you don't realize it. But yeah, just just a side note. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Cosmere things, full Cosmere spoilers. Uh, this is everything published as of uh, November 2nd, 2022. So we're not going to talk The Lost Metal. We're not going to talk Secret Projects, um, the 2023 Secret Projects. But we will talk first four books of Stormlight. We'll talk Elantris, Warbreaker, Obviously, all of Mistborn, other novellas and short stories, everything's on the table. So, uh, where do we start? That is a great question. I mean, we can we can start with Chris. So, uh, at the time this came out, I believe we were aware of autonomy as a shard through words of Brandon, but this was the first time autonomy was mentioned in a book. Pretty sure. Uh, and that plays into Chris, because autonomy is the shard that, you know, he's invested in Chris's homeworld of Taldane. This is the White Sand series. And now I'm very interested in the fact that she, so she talks about being in exile, yes. as you brought up. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, because the context... She says it in, you know, help you. I can't even help myself, Survivor. I'm in exile, and even if I weren't, I wouldn't have the resources to stop a shard. So this fascinates me because there are two Chris's, essentially. There's Chris, the Cosmere scholar who founded a university in the cognitive realm, City of Silverlight. And there's Chris, the Duchess from Taldane. And you would think in the context of a Cosmere Shardic level situation 
her silver light resources would be way more useful than her, you know, so to speak, terrestrial resources from well, Taldane. Hold on, hold on. Do you think that at this point she has already founded the university? Yes. Do we know that? I don't think we know for sure, but what almost if she certainly. Hasn't? I mean... Because this is early in the timeline, right? No. Mistborn? Mm. Isn't Mistborn early? I mean, Taldane's earlier. Yeah, White Sand is like a thousand plus years before Miss, Mistborn Era 1. Right, but Mistborn Era 1 is way before Stormlight. 300 years. Okay, 300 years. So Mistborn Era 2 takes place in the middle of the Stormlight Archive. And that's like 314 years after, uh, or 317, whatever it is, after Hero of Ages. Okay, okay. Yeah, in terms of in terms of the timeline, Dragonsteel is way way earlier, right? Um, and White Sand is obviously post shattering after Dragonsteel, but is significantly earlier. Like it's before Elantris, and Elantris is a lot earlier too. So, uh, like I don't know what she would have been doing for those thousands of years. If not founding the university. If not, yeah, if not founding the university in, in Silverlight. Well, I guess we would have a hint in Arcanum Unbounded. Well, so we do know that she wrote those system essays later in the timeline. I think there's a word of Brandon about that. Okay. But but obviously the, the universities have been around for a while when she was, you know, like Silverlight had been long established at that point. Uh, we know that, for instance, Ayatl, the the character in Stormlight Archive, was born in Silverlight, and that's right. you know, uh, you know. So, actually, I can't say that. Uh, I was going to say something about <laughs> about things that I can't talk about uh but but anyway so back to my point though is that she says she's in exile and doesn't have the resources to stop the shard even if she weren't in exile and i'm like does this mean she's talking about exile from taldane which would make sense yeah I was um, obviously we don't know where her story is going yet we haven't gotten the sequel to white sand but it would make sense that she's you know, butting heads with autonomy and, and gets off world and autonomy is like, nope, you know. Uh, and we know from Arcanum Unbounded from the system essay there that uh, autonomy has like blockaded or hidden or otherwise made travel difficult, if not impossible, to and from Taldane. But I don't understand why she would like make that comment about the resources when she presumably has many more resources at her disposal in Silverlight than she would with just, like, being a noble on Taldane. And she's not well connected to the Irie, which mm -hmm. is interesting considering they live in the cognitive realm. I mean, there are going to be factions. Clearly the, the Irie are, like, you know, on their high horse over there. They think they can just, they're doing their own thing. They don't need anybody else to... You know, um, I would just assume that they would interact in Silverlight. If that's the main, I mean, that's the only. I mean, they may interact, but they 
like there's there's like interacting and there's being buddy buddy yeah i guess that's the only city i know about in the cognitive realm at this point there's some in in stormlight archive oh right yeah anyway uh i just found that really interesting that she she talked about being in exile and like it it almost made me wonder if she's been kicked out of Silverlight at this point for some reason or another, or if this is Brandon just maybe going a little overboard or maybe having Chris uh, exaggerate her point to, to get Kelsier, you know. Could be. But also, bringing up her resources, like, why are they... They seem to be doing a lot of this on their own. Chris and Nas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I would expect having other people or students or... I mean, a lot of the stuff Nas is doing is dangerous, so... Fair. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... It's weird. But also she says the Irie have been at this shardic politics, whatever, for a long time. Yeah, I mean, the Elantrians have been around for a while. so. But she's been around for a while. She has. But she may not have been, like, active in the cognitive realm for all that time. And they have been? Yeah. Yeah, okay. We're going to get some answers. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of... Like, this book does a great job of giving us enough information to be exciting, but not actually answering any questions. Uh, it, It gives us a lot of just baseline information that, for really engaged fans, we already knew. But for more casual fans, this is their first taste of the bigger Cosmere story. Uh, you know, like, we get things like Sephandrius being name-dropped. Right. We don't get him called Hoyd in that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laris, but, you know. But they, they also have that in Stormlight, too. Right. Right. Uh, although, at the time this came out, only two Stormlight books had been released. So, he wasn't named Sephandrius in... No. Yet. Uh, yes. Yeah, no. Uh, the first time he's called Sephandrius is in... Uh, Oathbringer with the uh, the letters, and then he's called Midius at the end of Oathbringer. Right. Um, but so speaking of names, uh, there's the one scene, very oddly out of nowhere, perhaps that Senna? Laris yeah says, "Oh Senna, I'm losing this place, losing them all. This has got to be a." A lover, wife, yes, some yes, sort of, yes. you know, intimate, intimate relationship from preservation, just from the tone of that. Uh, so either she died maybe leading up to the splitting or she is another shard, you think? Very possible she's another shard. But also, why would he leave her? He already broke the promise that they wouldn't go off together. That is true. And he goes off together with Addie. So mm-hmm. why would he stay away from I mean, we already saw one couple who ascended go off together with yes. uh, honor and cultivation. Uh, but I, this has got to be a dragon steel thing. This is an answer we won't get until 
ran in Red's Dragon Steel. Okay. Uh, now, one another name that we may get sooner than Dragon Steel. I can't guarantee this. Uh, and that is Vax. Yeah. Okay. So this is the only thing Ruin Atti says after he dies. Uh, Atti ran his hand through his red hair, then looked about. Vax, he said, sounding confused. And then Kelsier punches him, and and then he whoosh, off to beyond. Um, this is the second time. Vax has been name-dropped in the Cosmere. The first time was in the 10th anniversary edition of Elantris. Uh, the original version of Elantris did not have an Ars Arcanum. The 10th anniversary edition did. And in that, uh, there is a segment around initiation, like how people come into power. Uh, and Chris doesn't understand how initiation works with Elantrians. She's like, she, and she goes through some other ways that initiation occurs throughout the Cosmere and says, without going into any details, this is different from what happens on Vax. So we don't know what Vax is beyond it's a place, probably a planet. Um, the way he says it there, though, I expected it to be a person... So there, there was a lot of theorizing about that from people who hadn't read the Elantris. Uh, okay, yeah, that's, that's because that weird. makes it very clear. Uh, let, let me let me pull it up. Actually, um, I can get the exact wording from Elantris in the yeah Ars Arcanum. Uh, Initiation, yeah. So, how then is a practitioner of Aeon Dor initiated? It does not appear, appear to be tied to family descent, as one finds on Scadrial, nor is it a specific shard's decision, as on Nalthus. Even Taldane's and Vax's methods do not seem to apply here. So, mm -hmm. in this context, she's naming planets, and Vax is in the list. Hmm. But is it named after a person? Ooh. I don't think we have any, I mean, why, why would he say that? Like, I don't understand why you would think it's a person in this instance. He looks around, like I could see him being confused and being like this setting that I just found myself in reminds me of Vax. And he's like, wait, why am I in Vax? That's why he's confused. Okay. So for me, let's say, like I came to, I wouldn't say Earth and look around. No, but. Space? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. It's well, just but if you had been on multiple different planets and you died on Earth and woke up somewhere that looked like another one of the planets and you're like, wait, why am I here? I just died on Earth. I would say, why am I here? I don't know. I don't know. This is very obviously Brandon name-dropping a Cosmere thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, so like there, there's lots of theorizing that Vax is the Ether of Night planet, although in the, the unpublished rough draft version of Ether of Night that you can get for free on 17th Shard, the planet is named something different. 
begins with a V, but it, it's not Vax. Um, so th this may just be like a completely new planet that we don't know anything about. Uh, mm -hmm. It could be, I don't know, maybe something connected to Dragonsteel once again. Uh, I, I don't know. I am super excited to find out more. But, uh, but yeah, and then let's see. Yeah, we get the Irie. Um, Who are interesting. Yeah, Elantrians. Uh, they're super scared of Threnodite Shades. Yeah, seriously. Wow. Um, they're apparently extremely problematic in the cognitive realm. They have, like, a blockade of the Threnodite system. And a sensor? Yeah. Uh, that's fascinating. Threnody is just my favorite planet in the Cosmere, and I desperately want more stories set there. Okay, so, interesting. Like, Nas has a gun that maybe shoots them. Yeah. And they have a sensor. Are um, they just, are they wandering around? Maybe. Um, Somehow. I how, mean, how does, I mean, how is Nas controlling them, and why are they so scared if they're controllable? I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that he's controlling them. I think he's probably trapped some in his gun, and he's, like, shooting them out at other people. And how does he know they're not going to turn? They're, they probably dissipate there because they because of connection. Ah, uh, uh, okay. And he's well, taking so them he's away from keeping Renity. them connected, maybe in the gun or something, mm -hmm. and then yeah. I mean, we clearly we don't know how the gun works. So and then somehow they can not dissipate in the cognitive realm when they're. <laughs> well, I think that's the concern is that like when they're coming after the Irie. Uh, well, the, the reason they're freaking out is they're like, how the heck did one of them get out? But they're still paranoid about it. Like, they expect yeah. it to happen, even though they know. Well, something very weird happened in the Threnodite system. Those are not typical cognitive shadows. Right, right. Like, there's something, there's like a wound upon the realms, according to uh, to Chris. Or maybe maybe it was one of the shards. I can't remember if that terminology came from the Oathbringer letter or not. But anyway, like, there's weird stuff going on in the Threnodite system. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't think of any other things off the top of my head. Let me just look through my notes. Um, I mean, we did talk about Essence, Addie, and um, Laris. How their Essences are different and were kind of walked through it a little bit here. Sure. Oh, oh, I have another note um, from Chris again. So she, when she's talking about Adenalsium, uh 16 people together killed Adenalsium, ripping it apart and dividing its essence between them, becoming the first who ascended. The fact that she Ooh. says the first oh, well, well, maybe... makes me wonder if other... Like before Sezed, somebody else has. I mean, we've had people who ascended temporarily. Yeah, like slivers. I, I yeah, guess. I guess count? technically Is, the Lord Ruler ascended. I don't know. Like I just find that really fascinating wording. Um, because she also talks about uh how like she's intrigued by the fact that Athi apparently doesn't know how to shatter another shard. 
And she's like, it's more like strangulation. Uh, and, Related and I, to his power? And Well, because she asked Kelsier, like, how, how was preservation when you met him? Yeah, yeah. And she's like, okay, that's interesting. He's, it's not a shattering. He's being, like, unraveled. He's being strangled. Um, and, and she talks about, like, all the previous times shards have died, it's been shattering. So well, more like that would make it, she's... yeah, yeah, like a single momentous, violent action, mm-hmm. not this long, drawn-out thing. And so, so at the same time, if all the other ones she's aware of where shards have died, they were shattered, they were splintered, then how would somebody else have ascended in a second wave before gathering Cezid. gathering a bunch of it somehow like um, a bondsmith i don't know yeah okay yeah so she says so slow death at he doesn't know how to splinter another shard or he hasn't the strength hmm okay so that's that's another thing i want to talk about so at one point Lara says Addie's always been stronger. Yeah. Pretty pretty much from the beginning. Right. Because preservation put a part of his power is in Is that the when he's implying or is he implying when they first ascended? I don't think we have any indication that shards had different levels of power at just at a baseline. They can give away, they can splinter themselves and give away parts of their power, but at at least at like, but it, but these are all like just degrees of infinity, so it's tough to really talk about that. Like obviously there's a point at which it becomes relevant because it happened with Ruin and Preservation when Preservation put, you know, a chunk of himself in the humans on Scadrial. But all well, the information we in the have, whole planet. all the information we have points to that power imbalance being because of what preservation did, not because there's like an inherent power discrepancy between shards. I'm not sure yet. And, and that's why I'm concerned about this theory with Harmony being off balance so quickly. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously, we'll find out. All the evidence points to it being because preservation put an extra bit of his power into creating humanity on schedule, not because there's something from the shattering. So, I mean, you could look up some words of Brandon, but I'm pretty sure he has said that all the shards are effectively equal in strength. Okay. Unless they splinter themselves. Hmm. And that's why Odium in particular, is hesitant to splinter himself because he wants to take on other shards one-on-one and he doesn't want to make himself weaker. Um, but we are... <laughs> this is already running longer than I expected it to run. Uh, <laughs> thought this was going to be a pretty quick episode, but we're closing in on an hour. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts about this book before we go into favorite scenes and the final draft? We haven't talked about Spook. Okay. Oh, we should wrap that up in characters. I know, I just forgot. I mean, I don't really have much to say about Spook anyway, so. 
So we learned already that he wrote a book on hemology. Hemology, mm-hmm. right? And obviously, this is Kelsier pushing him to do it. Yep. It's interesting that Kelsier used a spike to get him to see him. Yeah. But also, like Spook's journey is is maybe more dynamic than Kelsier's. I mean, if you count what he went through in the Hero of Ages, yes, sure, but that's two books versus one here. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I'm. I just mean like overall. I don't know. Spookies. I mean, no, overall, because there's a lot more than just secret history and the Final Empire for Kelsier's overall arc. I feel like there might be something for Spook. Because he obviously did I mean, a lot there, of things there, that we don't there's, know. Yeah, there's obviously more for him, but we don't know about it yet. We do know more about Kelsier. We know that he's involved elsewhere. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Well, let's let's do three favorite scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your third favorite? Okay. So I wrote it down. Uh... I think it's with Spook. Like where Spook is in, like Kelsier goes to like semi-hold him. Yeah. As he's dying and he's like, I I didn't know how much I loved you. Like, please, you have to live. I thought that was. Okay. See, that's a really good character moment for him. Where Kelsier's, Spook is like, you didn't give a shit about me. Like, you left things for everybody else. And Kelsey was like, no, I named you. I named you. Yeah. Well, my third favorite scene is also with Kelsey and Spook, but it's that that epilogue where he's like, all right, let's get down to business with hemology. <laughs> so. Uh, second favorite? Mm, Kelsey and Hoyd. Nice. Yeah, that yeah. was... That I considered that in my top three, probably an honorable mention for me. It is a good scene. So I realized in my reread that that was the biggest thing that I remembered. Oh, okay. Was like Lloyd like coming in. Yeah, paddling on a paddling on a, in on a soul. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what the soul said. Like his. He said his parents were well and, and yeah, still yeah. married. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Hoyt, Hoyt is the right type of hilarious. Sometimes. Most times. <laughs> I don't know. It was fun to, like, those two characters are, like, such big personalities that it it's always going to be fun when they clash. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, my second favorite was the Irie freaking out over the potential for Threnodite Shades invading. Uh, just the like the dramatic irony where we know what they're talking about, but Kelsier does not. And we know that it's Kelsier, not Threnodite Shades, and the Irie don't know that. So there's like layers of dramatic irony to the scene, and it's just a ton of fun. It brings in the Cosmere stuff. Like, it's... Yeah, I I really enjoyed that scene. So, what was your favorite? Uh, So, this one was the easiest. It was 
Marsh interacting with Vin and being the actual messenger paralleled with Kelsier talking to Addie and being like, did you play cards? <laughs> yeah. Did you, <laughs> like, you know what's fun about cards? Like, sneaking it in. Ready, go. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. Well, my favorite to the surprise of nobody was Chris explaining the Cosmere to Kelsier. And oh, just my gosh. Being a giant nerd and being wonderful because she's the best character Brandon has ever written. So... <laughs> I mean, I, I like her. She's she's fun. But I I still feel like I haven't had enough of her to love her in the way that you do. I can't remember. Have you read the White Sand Prose draft? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before That's I where think. most of my love for her comes from. But. I mean, she's, she's fun. Yeah. She's fun, but it's still like, okay, we still haven't gotten through, like, the events of that. Yeah, I can't friggin' wait. <laughs> But, but yeah, so I I think that brings us to the end. Do you have any just final thoughts on the book before we talk drinks? Um, not as fun of a reread as some of the others. Yeah, I I was actually going to say the same thing. Um, years ago, I made a like a, I ranked all of the Cosmere short stories and novellas. And I had Secret History as my favorite. Now it is definitely not my favorite. It's probably closer to the middle of the pack. Um, I'm actually really excited because the next story we're going to cover on Inking Out Loud is your favorite. Is possibly my favorite. It's top two. I so, agree. Yeah. Uh, that being Sixth of the Dusk. Uh, the other one that's also a favorite of mine is Shadows for Silence and Force of Hell. Obviously, Threnody is my favorite world in the Cosmere. Uh, and we covered that. That's a Patreon-exclusive episode as of this recording, but I may just unlock that. It's been a couple of years at this point. So, uh, But yeah, yeah. so uh, final draft. Um, I am, once again, just drinking a non-alcoholic brew from Athletic Brewing Company, Lodge Life. It's their winter warmer. I've already talked about it on the last couple episodes, but Lauren, of course, has the thematically appropriate beer. And it's a special one. So this beer is dedicated to Kelsier. Absolutely. Um, it is a barrel-aged stout from a brewery in Denver called River North. They specialize in some of these high ABV styles like barley wine and barrel-aged stouts and barrel-aged porters. Barrel-aged porters. Barrel-aged quads. And, oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. They have a great barrel program. Yes. Yes, they're they're killing it in that sense. Um, this one is actually from 2019. Yeah, yeah. So it's their. I can't remember. Was this decennial or bicennial? Bicennial. Yeah. So so they have um, a group of four beers that they release. It's their like big, you know, specialty line every year. And in the odd years, it's the bicennial series, and in the even years, it's the decennial series. And these, all four of these are massive, high ABV, barrel-aged, strong ales of one variety or another. And they specifically brew them, they say, aged for up to two decades. And you can, um, with these styles. Obviously, we have not aged something two decades. They haven't been around for two decades. I think this one is close to the longest we've aged one before opening. 
this is a 2019. Yeah, yeah. And um, and speaking of ABV, this one's 15.5%. Yeah, and Lauren's drinking this all by herself because I'm not drinking right now. <laughs> hey, it's only 12.7 ounces. Yeah, it's a it's a small bottle, but it's still a lot of booze. <laughs> eh, I get I got the tolerance for it. Yeah. But yeah, so this guy is called Shadow Man. Yeah. For Kelsier. Our, our friendly neighborhood cognitive shadow. Oh, geez. Or not so friendly, depending on who you are. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is the, actually the second time uh, we've brought a version of this beer on Inking Out Loud. I had, I think I had a decennial 2020 Shadow Man for uh, the first Dresden Files episode we did, uh, Stormfront. But yeah, this guy is strong. Yeah, like I can smell it. Like I'm not even leaning toward the glass or anything. I'm a good couple of feet away, and I can smell this beer. It is, and it smells so freaking good. Um, like, and it's changed a lot in the three plus years we've had it aging. Like I remember when you know trying this when we first got it, and it was like it was super woody. It was you could really taste the barrel in it. And this one, just smelling it, is like I get tons of fruit, like I like cherry and raspberry, and maybe like actually, let me smell it again. A little bit of tobacco, not a ton of tobacco, but a little bit. It's just yeah, like cherry and raspberry. It just smells so good. And there are no fruits in the, the no no adjuncts, nothing. This is just a, a stout. My goodness, that smells good. Oh. So to me, it smells like whiskey barrel. I get the dark fruit yeah. along with you. Um, but in the flavor, there's also, so it's dark and roasty, but there's also kind of a, like, roast meat flavor. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Which I don't remember if we had that same flavor when we first opened it before it was aged. I don't recall that. But things always change as you age them. Different flavors fall off and others are more accentuated. So mm -hmm. you don't really know what you're going to get. And it's definitely going to vary bottle to bottle. Yeah. 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 So that brings us to the end of this episode. This has been, what did I say, episode 192 of the Inking Out Loud podcast. Uh, next up, as we mentioned, we're going to be covering Sixth of the Dusk, another Cosmere novella, just to tide us over until it's time for the Lost Metal in a couple of weeks. As always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash inkingoutloud. And now it's November. So we have the special writing month. Yeah, NaNoWriMo. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are doing some some writing for that. Oh yeah, yeah. If you want to join the Inking Out Loud writing group on Discord, we are doing um, a version of NanoRimo there. You can uh, find us. I've posted some links on Twitter and Facebook. You can find. Uh, so you have really fun little community we have going there. Um, check it out. Uh, but as I was saying, Patreon. 
Um, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash inkingoutloud. Uh, get access to all that bonus content I mentioned at the top of the episode. And um, just in general, help us keep the lights on. As always, I have been your host, Drew McCaffrey. And with me is my special guest, Lauren McCaffrey. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time.